right. Good morning. How are we all doing? Are we well? Good. My name's Cameron. I've met many of you before, but if you haven't met me before, me and my family, we moved out from South Africa. We were born and raised there. Um, and when we were 27 years old, we moved. We had one, one child at that stage, Leah. We moved out um, here. And we've been here for six, six years now um, in Montana, um, Missoula, Montana. And uh, we love it. It's been really amazing. We serve on Josh Yakos's team, Revive. Many of you were there for the conference. Who was there for the conference? If you raise a hand, like, okay. All right, on this side, you need to like pick up your game. <laughs> the holy ones, or I'm gonna speak to you guys. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, we, we actually had a baby due right on the day the conference started and baby waited and literally the conference ended Saturday. We said goodbye to you, well, say goodbye to you guys. And then um, early Sunday morning, the next day, Luke was born at 3.48 or something like that. So yeah, we're blessed and it was just amazing the timing of that. Um, but yeah, it's just wonderful to be here. Um, so I serve primarily with youth and I just serve Josh in any way. We've got a big summer camp coming up for Regions Beyond. Um, and uh, it is full. We actually over capacity right now, and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with all, all of that. But it's just really cool that we get to get together, and we're just excited to be here. We love you guys, and um, yeah, I'm excited to share this morning. Uh, we're going to be sharing about uh, practicing the way of Jesus, um, sharing the gospel. So that's what we're we're going to be talking about. I'm by no means an expert. But I, I really want us just to glean from the things we see in Jesus' life and his followers, but then also hopefully some stories and things from my own life. Um, we'll just encourage you this morning. And I think more than that, what I'm trusting is that for those of us who maybe just need a refreshing and just a touch of that, that Holy Spirit power again and that encouragement again and that where it's not flowing from us trying to just like do something or achieve something or get the numbers, but we're, we're just moving in the grace of God. And I think that is the key with anything. Um, so that's what I just wanted to say straight out the gate. But let me pray. Father God, um, thank you for who you are this morning. And I just pray that you would come, Lord, by your presence and minister to us, Lord. And we just want to meet you this morning, Lord. So come touch our lives, Lord. Bless us. Thank you for this church, Lord. I just pray a blessing over this church. I thank you for every family here, all the children, Lord God. Would you just draw near to them downstairs as well? And we just want to know you more, Lord, and would you be glorified in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I better open my word here. Right, so um, just this out. we're going to be in Mark 1. And uh, sorry, I changed things up quite a bit this morning. So my slides I created before I came are not going to work. So I haven't got those with me. Um, I could have changed them on my phone, but it would have just been painful in my eyes. So I decided not to. Um, but I just want to read. Um, we're, looking, we're looking at Jesus. You guys have been doing the series, I'm sure, for a bit now. Uh, but practicing the way of Jesus and, and sharing the gospel. Um, I wanted to start off just with reading this, um, uh, this verse from Mark 1 and then jumping to, to uh, 1 Timothy for a moment. But it goes like this, it's verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So it's amazing, even before Jesus was on the cross, right, before he'd risen again, he was already referring to this as the gospel, that his kingdom has come that it's already working into the world. And here, here it was, dawning on man, 
on mankind. Um, and this morning, you know, you can think of Jesus' ministry and think like, wow, well, he was the anointed son of God, okay? He's just at another level. And I think that's true. That is true. But in the same vein, we've been given the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that we will do greater things than he did while he was on earth. Um, because he's going to empower us to do them. We did a mission trip in some, um, into Zimbabwe, if you know kind of the map of Africa. We were in South Africa, which um, shouldn't be confused with Southern Africa, which is kind of like the area. It's kind of confusing, but there's South Africa, and it's, I think it's got five countries bordering, and one of them Zimbabwe. We went up there, and if anyone has watched the movie Faith Like Potatoes, um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, we met Fraser. We met Fraser Bucken. Okay, we met Fraser Bucken, and he um, he was ministering there, and we happened to be in the same mission house, whatever. We were staying there, and he, we, I said, please, can you teach our youth? So we had a whole day with him where he just shared stories, and he had insane stories. Um, just like he was like a drug dealer, and then like God broke in on his life, like Jesus appeared to him in his room. Just amazing things, but then God told him to go to Africa, and he, didn't, he literally just bought a plane ticket and then went. And that's how it worked. He didn't have any forward planning or anything. It's just crazy, you know, one of those guys. But we went out with him ministering, um, in Zimbabwe what he was doing and he would he literally had this truck that the side opened and it was a stage and he stood there and he just proclaimed the, the kingdom of God and hundreds of people came from the surrounding villages and he just preached the gospel and it was amazing it was amazing to be a part of that and just seeing how God was us using this man and his calling and the gifting that he had um, but I guess the point in sharing that is that that was his gifting that was his calling. And my question to you this morning is, what is your gifting? What is your calling? And how, as you follow Christ, can you um, turn that to be effective for his um, purposes? I spent a day seeking God a couple months ago. And I, in my Bible reading, I was just, I happened to be in 1 Timothy, and I slowly read through it. And God really encouraged me with this verse. And it's just something to keep in mind, somewhere where we can start. Um, if you've ever heard kids pray, they can pray such amazing prayers. Um, and we think, wow, that's a big prayer, you know. But they pray these prayers of faith, like, God, I just pray for the whole world that they would all know Christ. And, you know, and you're like, okay, that's so sweet. But um, it's biblical, okay? So chapter 2 says in 1 Timothy, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Okay, and he goes on, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. And I just love that verse. God's encouraging us. Paul was encouraging us, hey, pray for people. Pray for your city. Pray for people you do not know. Pray beyond. Pray for the United States. Pray for the world. And we've got to have this outward. So if anywhere we need to start, let's start there just with this, with this prayer, with this out, um, outward looking. And we can all do that. Wherever we find ourselves, we can all spend time in prayer. So let's, let's do that. Um, but I've got, a, I've got about five points here. We'll see how far we get with time. I better check the time and make sure that I don't... What are we looking at? Okay. Um, but I've just got like five, I think they're pretty simple points of 
What I just saw in Jesus' life, and by no means is it everything, but hopefully you'll be encouraged this morning. Um, but the first, the first thing I saw was just um, Jesus had years of preparation. Um, we know this. He had years of preparation. In fact, he was 30 years old, okay, when he started his ministry. And there were things happening before then that were preparing him and getting him ready. We know when he was 12 years old, he was found at the temple. His parents lost him, and he was in his father's house, and he was with the scribes, and he was learning, and he was teaching, and um, he was growing. But Jesus himself had these years of preparation. And you may be in a, in a place right now where you're in those years of preparation, or you're, you're kind of, I, I never think we leave them fully. We're always growing, but maybe you're in this place where there's just this fruit happening. Or maybe you're in this place where it's kind of confusing and there's mixed signals and you're like, well, I'm not sure. Well, maybe that you're in a stage where God is teaching you things and he's leading you into things. But Jesus, he had years of preparation and um, he actually learned to trade. Okay, so any tradesmen here? Okay, he was a carpenter. Um, actually, even more so, he was more like just a general craftsman. He would have worked a lot with stone as well. Um, but there were things that happened. He got baptized, and he got filled with the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. And I think it's just so important that we encounter God for ourselves, that we have that experience. It doesn't look the same for, for every person. When I was 14 years old, and it's part of the reason why um, we started the summer camp, but when I was 14 years old, I went to a summer camp, and God impacted my life in such a powerful way. I experienced the power of God and the Spirit of God. And I tell you what, like, um, life is hard, and sometimes you feel like you're not where you should be. But you can look back at experiences like that where you've encountered God and be encouraged and realize, hey, I am the temple of the Spirit. He hasn't left me. He is with me. And I actually want to take a moment after the service and just pray for anyone who just, you just feel like, man, I'd love to encounter just um, more of the Spirit. We see Jesus also, he went into the wilderness, didn't he? He was in the wilderness. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And all of these things were preparing him. Um, in my own life, uh, I always felt a call to being involved in the church and serving in the way that I'm using my gifts. Um, and the pathway to that was interesting. I kind of, I did an internship when I was 19 in London, came back, started working as a youth pastor, dropped out within five months, like for various reasons, um, studied and then slowly got involved again um, in church and was involved heavily in the church in Cape Town for about five years. Um, but there was a stage where God, actually Fraser Bucken, I mentioned him, he had a word for us. He said, Cameron, it's time for you guys to leave the mountain. And if you know Somerset West where we were based at that stage, it's all around Helderberg Mountain. Everything happens around Helderberg Mountain. And it was like, okay then, because we had felt the stirring. And we ended up on my, um, on my farm where I grew up as a child um, in central uh, South Africa. And that was, a, that was a tough time. It was a time of like, it was almost like that, that wilderness. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Where, why, am I, <laughs> why am I here? This, this doesn't make sense. And I try to make some things work. I had wanted to be a doctor um, through my kind of teenage years. And I tried to get in. And I didn't, I didn't manage to make the marks for university. But I heard of this program. Um, where if you'd studied a first year in like um, biology and chemistry in university, 
you could basically write a test on like two books this thick, and then you can jump straight into med school um, in, at Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. And I was like, this is it. Like, so I started studying, and we were on the farm. I was kind of running that for my parents. It's my parents' farm. And uh, trying to make this work, and it was a big, Lorene and I didn't have kids at that stage, and we were, it was kind of like, this is our game plan. So I'm going to get in, we're going to move to Johannesburg, Lorene's going to work in what she studied, which was law, and we're going to live in a tiny flat, I'm going to study for seven years, and then we'll figure it out from there. That's, you know, that, you know, so we were taking steps, and it was amazing. I started, I got the book, started studying, and a month in, I was like, man, I still remember the day. It's such a weird day. It had been raining the whole day, and my mom and Lorene were watching Fiddler on the Roof. Anyone like that movie? Anyway, I did not at that point. I like it now. Um, but I took a walk up on the mountain later, and I just was crying out to God, like, God, like, where are you? Like, what is going on? I don't, I don't have the drive for this. I don't have the drive to study through this book. And it was amazing. Um, this was our story anyway with kids, and I think I'm talking to the right crowd, seeing the amount of kids. But for, every, for whatever reason, kids hadn't featured as much in, in just me growing up. I didn't have, we didn't have a vision for that in our lives, and that's a whole other testimony. But God showed me a vision of these two blonde, just short little kids running through the grass. And I just knew at that point, hey, we're meant to, we're meant to have kids. And I went back, and believe it or not, I had to convince Lorene. I said, we're, God's calling us, you know, to have kids. And that changed our whole life. And we, you know, uh, it was interesting. We, we had our first daughter, Leah, and um, now we have four. But it was, it was in being in that wilderness time that, that we were led to that. And eventually, we were invited to the United States, um, which in the second time, we actually said yes to it. Um, and we ended up here and kind of operating in our gifts. But the, the amazing thing is God knew what he was doing, okay? God knew what he's doing, and he knows what he's doing in your life as well. So as we follow Jesus, it's not always just the step, 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 okay, and then we're at where we want to go. It's a journey. It's life. It's God works these things, um, works these things out. Um, the other thing in preparation, which I just think was really interesting as we look at Jesus' life, I'm going to flip back to Mark if I can find it in my Bible, is... Um, he had other people helping him in his life, preparing him. If you look just at Mark 1, it says, verse 2, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And we see that even Jesus, the Son of God, he had people investing in his life. He had John going before him, right? He had people in his life that were part of the preparation for him stepping onto the scene and accomplishing what his Father in heaven had ordained him to do. And in our lives as well, we have people, right? Um, there's a psalm, I, I'm just remembering off the top of my head, but there's a psalm, um, I think it's Psalm 60 or something, but it's like, um, beware of isolation, because it, lead, it leads only to evil. We need one another. You need people in your life speaking into your life. We have the church for a reason. All of this, I hope, and I, I might not be touching on the church as much as I'm accustomed to this morning, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, all of this happens in the context of community and being together. We don't walk an individualistic faith. We do things as a community. We pray together. We walk together. We 
worship together, we evangelize together, all these things. We walk our personal lives in the light of other people speaking into our lives by the Spirit. And we see here, I mean, Paul says, I just love this verse, 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. And I think the verse before that, he talks about just angel guardians aren't even, they don't even equate to having fathers in the faith. Like having fathers and mothers, as it talks about in Titus 2, we're meant to be investing in one another's lives and pouring into um, one another's lives. So um, we see there's just, we see in Jesus' life just this preparation happening. And um, I, I just had to talk about Paul this morning, but even his, his story, if you read one, uh, 1 Galatians, we know that he spent time in Arabia for three years. But when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, right, immediately, he, well, he came to Damascus, the scales fall, fell from his eyes, and then what did he do? Well, he immediately went to the synagogue and he started preaching. I mean, Paul was just something else. He was an amazing person. God had a reason for, for calling that man. But it says he spent many days there, all right? So he spent many days preaching, and eventually um, the Jews rose up. They wanted to kill him. Um, so I think they, that's where they load him out of the wall in a basket. And he flee to Jerusalem, and Barnabas brought him in, and uh, he preached there as well. He got involved there. And then the Hellenists um, wanted to kill him as well, all right? They wanted to kill him as well. So what they said was, all right, okay, you need to go. We're sending you back. We're sending you back to Tarsus. Um, you're going back home. That's where he was born. So he goes back home, and we have this silent decade, this time where we just don't hear much from Paul. We don't really exactly know. N.T. Wright says that during that time, he was probably just working on his business, making, building tents, all right? And you don't think of Paul in light of that, but we read, like, everything, it happened now. It happened now. It happened immediately. And some things did, but a lot of it, it's a story. And so it is with your life. So don't be discouraged. And we get, we're so good at getting discouraged sometimes when you see this or we see that or we have these expectations. Um, but he spent three years in Arabia and then he spent these 10 years, all right, back home, okay. We don't know exactly what he was doing. Uh, N.T. Wright said it so well. He says, Saul spent a silent decade deepening the well of scriptural reflection from which he would thereafter draw the water he needed. And I just love that. We need time to seek God, to grow in these things. And these things sometimes take time. I was led to this, if you've ever read Lamentations, it's a great read. Um, <laughs> but you get to Lamentations, and this is my Bible reading this year, and I thought, okay, here we go. And for some reason, I just had never connected the dots here, but you go into the middle of the book and there's just this beautiful um, portion of scripture. But one part of it says this, and this is verse 25. So Lamentations 3:25. the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So sometimes we're called into these seasons of waiting of being quiet, of seeking the Lord, okay? It's not complacency. It is, it is kind of with this, this leaning forward into the Spirit, into God, being open to what He's doing, okay? But it might not look like what we think. It's like just this, 
this, this waiting. Okay, and we see that God takes people through these things. If, if any of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth, he's got an interesting story, but he's an amazing healer, okay, just an amazing person. Um, God used him powerfully in a very powerful way. You guys have John G. Lake here in Spokane. Um, and, uh, I mean, he had an amazing healing ministry. But Smith Wigglesworth had an amazing one. But there was a point where God touched his life, and he, but he was still working as a plumber. And he got so busy, and his wife, his wife Polly, was always just going for God with this, with this fire. And what happened with, with Smith, Smith Wigglesworth is that he had this fire, but he, he was focusing, he was getting so busy with his plumbing, his heart got a little hard. His heart got a little jaded. And his wife's passion for God actually started to almost annoy him a little because she was going out, going out early and coming home late because God was moving in powerful ways. She was actually speaking and doing all these things, and he was getting frustrated. And through all that, God was actually preparing his heart and breaking down some of the things, some of the sin, some of the pride that would have held him up in his, in his ministry and what he, in his call, was called to do and obviously God really broke in. I don't know. I can't remember the details of that story, but it's in a great book that I that I read um, recently. But it just came to mind that, like, it's just interesting how God how God moves. You wouldn't think that if you thought Smith Wigglesworth. He just goes from like A to Z. It's just a straight. But we all have these we have these journeys, and so it is when we think of sharing our faith and and looking at at how Jesus walked. We think we got to just be. We're here now, and I got to get here and. What's the quickest way? How do, I, how do I do that? And sometimes God takes us, you know, and we've got to be open to his purposes. Okay, um, just my second point. Um, Jesus walked with people. And I guess as far as sharing the gospel and presenting the good news to people, this is probably where I land with my gifting besides speaking. I have, like, the privilege of speaking almost every week at our to young people, and I speak quite often in church, churches, and it's a, that's a wonderful privilege. But really, as far as like evangelism beyond that, for me, this is, this is something just close, close to my heart. Um, in that first chapter, just after that portion I read, Jesus is proclaiming, he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is coming, and um, what's the next thing he does? Well, the next thing he does is he calls his disciples. It says, passing along, this is verse 16, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Okay. And, um, you know, Jesus' heart for bringing the kingdom, okay, obviously he moved in great power, all right, there were things happening, people, many thousands of people were believing and coming to faith, okay, but really his, his main strategy for the, for the long-term growth of the kingdom, um, it wasn't this kind of this method or this business model, even the shortcut kind of style, it was walking with people. It was being in relationship. So I have a question for you. Who has God put into your life? Who is God right now where you're living in this beautiful city with a lot more sunshine than Missoula right now? We couldn't believe last night. We were just like, 
this is so wonderful. The sun's setting so late. It's like the golden hour. It was just so, we've had a pretty cloudy in Missoula, although it's also been beautiful, but 88 degrees, it was wonderful. But who has God put into your life? Do you know that you are called to be a light to them? That you are called to minister to them in some way as God gives you opportunity. Using your gifts, using who God's made you um, to be. Jesus walked with people, okay? And as it's interesting, as he walked with people, then, in one sense, he walks with us now. I love this verse in Acts 16. Paul he sees the vision of Macedonia. They're trying to get to Macedonia. And then it says, the spirit of Jesus prevented us from entering Bithynia. So it was Bithynia, the region. But it's, it just says, the spirit, but the, the spirit of Jesus prevented us from entering. And you just see that the way that they walked, the way that they missed, it was by the spirit. And so today, in our times, we walk by the spirit. We have relationship um, with him. And I'll get into that in a bit. But we can all build relationship. We can all walk with people. It's wonderful in um, two months we have summer camp, and it's just so cool we have um, a young man called Abongile and another Simon, and they're both coming from South Africa. They both came on that Zimbabwe mission trip, and um, they'll often tell the story. We were going in Zimbabwe. We had church, and... Um, Lorene and I had this little, we, we had this little cottage that, that the, the kind of the owners let us stay in. So we were staying there on kind of the mission house. It was so nice. But I remember kind of waking up and looking at the clock and we were meant to be at church. We were meant to be leaving in five minutes and I'm leading the, the mission. I sat up and I'm like pulling on my shoes and Abongile bursts through the door like, Knocks on the door, we're going, we're leaving. And, and he'll bring this up all the time, like me, like with my red eyes and like poofy hair and like trying to get my shoes. I was totally discombobulated, like completely. But he'll often bring that up and there's other stories. But we just, we, we just lived life with them. And it's so amazing now to see God, like finally they're coming to the United States and they're going to get to minister with the young people. And it's just going to be so cool. But these were young guys. They are still young guys. But just, we just walked with them. We didn't do anything special. I think one of our greatest kind of tools we had back then was we literally had to drive around and just pick youth up. We had to pick Abungile. He lived, actually lived in a really, like, almost like ganglands in Cape Town. We had to pick him up and drive. And our best times together were in the car just chatting, just getting to know. We laughed. They got to know us. We, we talked theology. We talked just funny stories. We, we got to know each other. And the, the beautiful thing is each and every one of us can do this. Each and every one of us can walk with people. So my question to you is like, who is in, who is in your life? Um, just one more story. We, as a church, hosted a community outreach thing. It was crazy. It's basically this, we have a pretty big um, church building. And they, um, what they did was it was basically to help those who were really in need, like homeless and the poor. They set up, there was like a haircut station. There was like a clothing place. There was like a place you could get your pets groomed. There was a place, there was a court 
up in our youth room, like a, like a proper court that had a judge and everything, so people could come and just do their fines and like, yeah, I've been, yes, I need to pay this off. Or like, you know, like just go, all these things. But, and I was tasked with just kind of running the sound. Um, so I'm running the sound, kind of like Donald right now. And I'm, and the, the guy, um, there's a guy playing live music while there's all this stuff happening. But I stepped down out of the stage and I tripped over something like and, and like fell and got up and it was a young, I'm gonna like cry talking about this, but it was a young guy and his name was Keegan and he was plucking on this guitar and I said, hey, do you know we have a youth group here and um, uh, we teach guitar before youth group. And he's like, oh yeah, I just walked upstairs and I bumped into this veteran guy who was doing something upstairs and he just, he said, I like your guitar and the guy said, you do? Here, you can have it. And he gave it to him. And um, it's just been amazing. Keegan, Keegan's had just the story of God moving in his life and going through these things. And as a family, they went through these difficult things. And I had the opportunity to just walk with them. But it's wonderful now just to see how God's moved um, them giving their lives to Christ and his grandmother now being part of our church and their background just being completely, completely different. And now they're, they're a part of us. But it just took me tripping over him and inviting and just like, like I don't know where this is going to lead. I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like in some sense I'm preaching to the choir here. But we, these little opportunities, these little things, if we can say the words that come out of our mouth but trust that the Holy Spirit is doing something in the background, that God's going to work in that and as they join our community that God's going to continue to work I never I didn't lead them I didn't lead Jeannie to Christ someone else did we're still very good friends today but it took it takes a community it takes us working together inviting like hey like I didn't trip over you for no reason I mean I wasn't thinking this was gonna happen it was just a natural thing at that point but we we have people that God drops into our lives and that's for a reason and we can all walk with people as Jesus did. So I hope that's encouraging. Um, just the third point, um, how are we doing for time? Jesus wasn't swayed by people. He walked with people, but he was not swayed by people. Um, this is one of my favorite portions in scripture, like full stop, um, verse 33 of Mark 1. And the whole city, this is Capernaum, was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. All right, so this is all happening. You can imagine, I, I remember, I won't forget, we were hearing someone speak on this word in Lesotho, um, which is a small landlocked nation in the middle of South Africa. And I remember someone speaking on this scripture and just saying how, like, literally they would have had his house, and there would have been people just lining the ground around waiting for them to come out again but we see here the next verse verse 35 and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed and Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said everyone is looking for you and he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, casting out 
demons. Everyone is looking for you. Can you guys relate to that sometimes, especially with the smartphone? Right? Why is everyone looking for me? Why are you calling me now? It's like 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> but Jesus wasn't swayed by people's expectations um, or the appearances of people. He knew he's called, and we're going to get onto that in a moment. But I just love the scripture. If you could think of any point that Jesus would hang around and like, all right, let's minister, let's like get this thing really going. It's cooking now, but let's even. But he knew his place. He knew what he was called to do. And I think just in this, this story, he's setting for us a model, all right? He's an example to us of, hey, how we have to work in the spirit and how there's always going to be more stuff to do, okay? But what, where, where, would God, where would God have us? And so often, I think we end up doing, maybe this isn't you, maybe it's just me, but we end up doing things because we think other people think we should be doing those things. When really what we need to be is open to God and serving him where he places us. And we put so much pressure on a culture driven by productivity and almost a busyness. How are you doing? I'm, yeah, busy. Good, I guess, good, right? Um, we're, not, we're not called to be busy. We're called to follow God and his purposes. And um, sometimes that just looks like walking along a road with someone. It's pretty relaxing and chatting and spending time with people, getting to know one another. And um, we got to get stuff done. There's things to do. But we see here Jesus. He had such a clear idea of what, what God had called him to do. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees had asked Jesus a question, and they said, um, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. And often we discount ourselves from talking to people or being involved in certain things because we see, oh, I don't know if I could relate to that person. Or I don't know if God would want to speak. Or I don't know if God would want to use me to speak to that person. And God just does not work like that at all. He really doesn't. Every single person stands individually before God. That's a terrifying fact. Um, and we stand in the power of God, and we can approach people with confidence, knowing that as we share, as we speak, his Holy Spirit will speak through us. That he'll do, he'll do the work. And yes, we need to know, we need to grow. We need to grow in the word. We need to grow in our understanding of the things of God. Paul was very serious about that, about us knowing, knowing he was a deep thinker. He really was. You couldn't write what he wrote without being so. But he was also just this man of the spirit who was just like, this way, this way, this way. And God was, God was leading him. But so often we're put off by appearances or we, we discount ourselves. But God doesn't look at us that way. And I just want to encourage you this morning, wherever you find yourself, like God can use you. He can use you. And it may not look like Fraser Buchan or this person or that person, but he wants to use every single one of us to be a light and to share, um, 
share the gospel, to be a kingdom contrast in a world that is broken and desperately in need of the love, the love of God. Um, okay. I think uh, just number four, Jesus walked in communion with God and um, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, do you not know, I've got to find the, I think it starts with do you not, do you, yeah, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? And I've already touched on this, but isn't it, it's just for me, for me, it's mind blowing. You know, God, God created the Garden of Eden, and that was the first temple, really, if you think about it. It was God's presence with people. And then that was broken, and we see um, eventually God, he, the tabernacle, right, with Moses, okay? And then we go to the temple in Jerusalem. And then we have the very Son of God walking in our streets on this earth, right? The temple amongst us, coming to dwell amongst us. And then he was killed and he rose again, right? The curtain was torn. Where is the temple now? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we can walk in the Spirit, as it says in Galatians. And, um, you know, just walking in the Spirit, it's just, it's just being open to him, firstly. Just being open to him, listening, and then taking steps. You know, just taking steps, trusting, oh, I have an opportunity to talk to a colleague. They seem to be asking about like some deeper things. Like, and not worrying about where that goes, how that looks. Um, I worked part-time at the airport in Missoula and I had a conversation with a guy. And you know, afterwards I just thought like, oh my gosh, I don't know how well that went. You know, just, he, he's like, yeah, I studied theology and um, he told me these things and then he said, what, like, what do you believe? And I just told him, I told him the gospel. I told him about the grace of God. I told him as best I could. We were kind of standing in front of an aircraft waiting to like push it off. So I was kind of caught off guard, like trying to tell, tell him. And then after he said, well, you know, that's really nice. Like, I think um, that, you know, if you're, you know, we've all heard this one. If you're a Buddhist or you're Jewish or you're Christian, you know, at the end it all ends to the same place. You know, that's, that's what I think, you know, and he kind of put me in, well, he put me in my place, like with just kind of ending, and then we had to like do the, and that's where it left. That was that was the conversation. In that point, I got to trust God. You're you're doing, you're going to do something. And he's like, oh, I'd like to have this conversation again sometime. We need to carry on. And I probably need to ask him, hey, have you actually read like, have you read like, um, the Quran, or have you read um, the Old Testament or the New Testament? Because I don't think any of those faiths, maybe Buddhism, I don't know, um, any of those faiths would agree, would agree with what you said, right? Um, but we have these conversations with people and we can trust that he's going to speak through us. We might not always have those right words, like in the moment, um, but if we're walking in the Spirit and we, we ask him to move, and I guess that's really this morning what, what we're doing, what we have to do, is we have to walk in the Spirit. We have to allow God to move and work through us, to allow us to be that beautiful verse. I think I had it somewhere here. Yes, here it is. Um, 
But thanks be to God, this is 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. At the end of the day, you don't have control. You can't control the decisions that your colleagues, your family are going to make. But what you can be is open to being the fragrance of Christ to those around you, regardless of whether they believe or not. Um, okay, I'm going to land this plane now. Um, just a last, a last point, and I just think this is so important, um, is just Jesus knew who he was, and he he was totally convinced, of course, of the truth behind it. He was totally convinced. And I think this is such a basis for us sharing the gospel. Um, Romans 5.17 says, For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life, through the one man, Jesus Christ. Um, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We've all experienced death in one way or another, maybe some through some close family or friends, or you can just see it, right, in the world. We've all been touched by that. The world has been impacted. It is the result of the fall. What this verse is saying is how, how death has impacted us all. Grace so much more, the abundance of it, is going to help us reign in this life. In other words, grace pouring into your life has so much greater impact in your life than death does. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Conqueror. More than conquerors. <laughs> Conqueror, more than conquerors. Question, do you believe it? Does the grace of God drive your life? It did for Jesus. He knew his father. He knew the love his father had for him. He could even ask the questions that would make us question his whole call, where he said, Father, would you let this cup pass from me? He knew the grace of God. And that grace has been, in fact, John 1 says, grace upon grace. Moses brought the law. Jesus Christ has brought truth and life. And grace upon. So on your life is grace upon grace. And if that's not in your heart, it gets hard to share with other people. Because in a sense, you're not experiencing or believing the very thing that you're inviting people to enjoy. And in your own life, you have to, you have to experience that. And I'm not saying, okay, you're not doing good enough. But we go through things like Smith Wigglesworth. I told you about him. Just, he's hard. We go through things. And before we know it, it's kind of like, oh, man, this truth isn't alive to me anymore. I'm just kind of going through the motions. We have to, we have to be in a place of understanding his grace. So we can take the falls, we can take the punches, we can take the colleagues misunderstanding us when we 
open our heart to them and tell them everything our life is based on. We have to be convinced of the truth. We have to be convinced of what Jesus has done. And there's power, there's power in it. And, you know, we live in a culture, and some of it is, is good, but when it mixes with our faith, it's not so good. Um, I was doing a Bible study for a group that helps people get, they've maybe been in trouble with the law or whatever, but they come and they do job service and now they can get into a job. I've got to finish. And um, I did a Bible study with them and they, they, the Bible study was identity in Christ. And in this room are a group of people that are Christians and then there's non-Christians. And we're going through these verses, and I had to be honest about verses like this one, 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And I had people ask me about it, hey, so what, like, what does that mean? And I, I said, do you know, Christianity is an exclusive faith. People who tell you that Jesus was just a good man, and that he, you know, did good things, all right, they haven't read the Gospels. He said, I am the only way to the Father. And this, this truth, although it's offensive, is powerful. And the problem is sometimes in our culture we can get, we get worried about offense, we get worried about offending people, that we dial it back. But actually what people need to hear is they need to hear the truth. They need to hear that there's one mediator between man and God, and that is the man, I love that, that is the man. Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. There is power in that, let us not dilute it. And it's okay to say, oh yeah, in my faith, we believe that there's only one way to God. And that is Jesus Christ, he said it. And obviously you do that in love and you do that in the right setting, but what good would it have been for me in that setting to say otherwise? Because then people would have later gone to their Bibles if they're interested and said, hey, well, that's not what he said. This doesn't really make sense. And, well, maybe he didn't really believe what he was talking about. I think in this age of the new age and kind of just anything goes and God's in, in everything, we have to experience this grace for ourselves that we can be excited about sharing it with others because we're experiencing in our life. It's changing our life. It's impacting us. And we want others to know. But we've got to remember that it's, the results aren't up to us at the end of the day. They're up to God working through us. Um, and I just love Peter in Acts 10. You know, he he goes to the Gentiles the first time, like he's not even allowed in do, like the Jewish law, they're not even allowed in a Gentile house, but there he goes and he preaches this word. And if you read his sermon, it's super simple. Super sim simpler than what I've said today. And at the start it says, so Peter opened his mouth and said. And sometimes we've just got to open our mouths and say. Say what we say what we believe, say where we stand. Say what God's put in our lives. Okay, could we stand please? Oh, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
All right. Let's just, uh, if you feel comfortable, just raise hands in front of you. We're just going to, just for a moment, we're going to have a chance to come and grab the communi uh, communion stuff here. We're going to take communion in a couple songs, but first I just want to just pray for us. Yeah, just raise your hands in front of you if you feel comfortable. And just, Lord, we... We just thank you for the encouragement, Lord, of your word. We thank you for the truth found in its pages. But Lord, we thank you that you are alive and moving today, Lord. Your word says, Lord, that you're building a dwelling place for your spirit, Lord, through the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And that is the church, Lord. You're building this dwelling place, and you are here amongst us right now. Would you empower us, Lord? Would you strengthen us? I pray for encouragement for my brothers and sisters. I pray that they wouldn't strive that they wouldn't leave here now, oh, here's a new list of things I need to do, but rather, Lord, would leave with the joy of knowing you the, and just a fresh wonder, Lord, of your grace, Lord. Would it drive us? Would it pull us? Would it be our, just a gravity to our souls, just your grace upon grace, Lord? And I pray now, Lord, I just pray almost for these hands of fruitfulness just in our various places. I know we've got many different people in different work and our families. I pray that we would just see the fruitfulness of your gospel with what we do, Lord. That as we have conversations, as, as we step out in faith, that as we just be ourselves, walking in your spirit, Lord, that you would use us, Lord. We are open. Come Holy Spirit right now, and I just pray that you would just anoint all of us here, Lord. We look to you, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We're so grateful for you.